friends. It is 3.41 p.m. on Thursday, Eastern Time, and felt like a good time for some whiskey, so going to do a little episode here, pregame for a little happy hour we have going in a little bit, and I am Robbie Wagner, for those who have never listened to this before, and this is Charles William Carpenter III, my co-host, as always. Feel bad if this is your entry episode, dear listeners. <laughs> so yeah, we're uh, we're doing a special one-off. It feels like it's been a while since we've spent some time just together. We've had a lot of guests recently, mm-hmm. and uh, it's time to just get back to our roots. Yeah, yeah. Like we've had to plan things out, write outlines and questions, and like care about what we're talking about. Way too much structure. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's, it, we've gotten away from the heart and soul of this show. So let's return to it. Let's um, drink some of this whiskey that we don't, don't have to ship to various areas throughout the country. Um, Cause we already have it. Yeah. It is the Senator. Yeah. Which sounds very serious. <laughs> the most serious part of this bottle was getting the damn wax off. Oh my God. To try and open it. So I hope it delivers because yeah. that was, you can't really see, but I have a giant pocket knife, which is like some crazy novelty <laughs> gift that uh, it was my grandfather's. So it says Charles Carpenter on it, no. but it was like Charles the first. This is like, I don't know if it's a perspective thing or is it like the size of your face? Yeah, no, it's huge. Here you go. Okay. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. And do you just like keep that? I assume you don't carry that in like your pocket. No. Right. Yeah. No, I just keep it on my desk. It's more of like a you know, a threatening nameplate or something. And I use it to open packages from time to time. So huge pocket knife. It's actually very sharp. It was like some novelty gift that my uncle got for my grandfather in the seventies from like Gatlinburg, you know, some joke thing. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, he was, uh, my grandfather was fine Southern gentleman and all most Southern gentlemen's carry a pocket knife. So they got him this giant one. Anyway, utilize that to open this bottle. That's how serious it was. <laughs> Yeah, I was pulling on mine and it would not go one direction. So I pulled it the other way and then I kept pulling and like, you know, usually if you have like a real wax topped whiskey, there's kind of like a more thin thing that kind of goes around and just nicely opens up. This was the huge, like thick, like an inch thick almost ring of like, yeah, yeah, it was, it's a mess. Rubber or something. It's, it's kind of strange. You could make tires out of this and they would go fine. Yeah. So, yeah, we got it, though. So we got the Senator from Proof and Wood. It is a straight rye whiskey, single barrel. It's aged at least six years. So this is a this is a company that does sourced whiskey. So they just got some NGP stuff out of Indiana. Ninety five percent rye, five percent malted barley. So it's a similar ratio for us recently. It's the kind of ratio I like. <laughs> but we'll see for, I guess, was it the last one we had heirloom rye? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see uh, if this feels different than the heirloom. Yeah. This was the laws that we had in our last episode that was heirloom rye and they had a very different, distinct flavor. Yeah. I'm smelling a lot of wood. Not really anything else. Yeah. That's the wood of the proven wood. Yeah. I just had a uh, Diet Coke, but uh, I'm smelling some soda, hmm. like cola kind of. That's your own breath coming out. and Yeah. My unshaven hazard mustache has maintained a little bit of Diet Coke in it. So that's the problem. Mm. I'll just taste it. 
Oh, yeah. This is more in the alley of traditional. A little cinnamon in there. Yeah, a lot of spice. A little musty. A lot of spices. Yeah. And this one, oh, I don't think I said it. It's 110.36 proof. It's pretty solid in the burn department. So it does have that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm going to say it. I get a little apricot, dried apricot <laughs> in the beginning. I'm getting some of that. That's just me. All right, let's restart this episode. Yeah, it's over. Um, <laughs> Terrible. Come up with other words. I always have a really hard time picking the flavors apart. The one that I tasted a little of, which is odd, was like a little bit of butter. Hmm. I don't know what that would come from, but a, a little bit of butteriness. Kind of like you would have in like a Chardonnay or something. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'm going to switch like chai tea. That's what I'm getting in the beginning. I think a little little chai. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Hmm. You didn't bulletproof your whiskey, did you? You know, when you people do that with their coffee and put like butter and oh, MCT no. oil in there. No. So they get a boost. Yeah, no, I only drink whiskey. It's a, the best keto diet. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, vegan. I think it is. Yeah. Ketogenic. It's like low or no sugar. I mean, couldn't it technically be paleo? Like if you just dropped a bunch of rye in the ground and like the right things happened, it would make whiskey eventually. <laughs> kind of. Mm, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't be aged, I guess, is the, yeah. the difference. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing is like, I don't know. Have you ever had white dog before? Just like white whiskey? Yeah, the unaged, unaged stuff. Yeah. I think so, and it's okay. It's, I mean, if gross is okay, then yes, it is, it's okay. Yeah, I had some at a couple of places, but like when you go to Buffalo Trace to do tastings, they'll start you out with white dog, like this is how it begins, and then get you into the rest, and I'm like, please, none of that. Yeah. Has a strange corn flavor. It's just, it's not appealing. Yes, but you can put it out immediately. That's what's appealing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, yes, I see. When in your entrepreneurial endeavors, you may have yes, yeah, gone down that path. So the thing that we were going to make, because we were Williamson Wagner whiskey, like all W's, mm -hmm. we were going to have Williamson Wagner white wheat whiskey. Mm. So it was going to be like wheat forward. I don't know if we were going to try to like do a certain amount of corn or whatever. Like we didn't think that much about the mash bill, but it would have a good bit of wheat mm. to where like it would be a little different tasting. And then like, I don't know if you've seen these things or like, um, I forget what the brand was. There's like some that are super legit that are like wood sticks with cutout pieces and like yeah. cool looking shapes that are supposed to like age. And they're supposed to age your stuff. Yeah. 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 So we were going to like partner with them and ship that with it. And then it's like, you know, choose your own amount of wood. Okay. Which no one has done. I've never seen one like at the liquor store that comes with something like that. So I think that could be cool for people that like to experiment. That's true. Yeah. It's a different marketing aspect. You got to bring all your distillation equipment out here to the desert because I'm pretty sure I can get away with it a lot easier than you in Virginia. We should try it out. Well, the the Williamson part of Williamson Wagner is a uh, farmer with 410 acres or something, so he can get away with it mm. more than I can. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's regress a little back to the immediate whiskey that we're having. Yes. How do you feel about it? Mm. I like it. 
I'm a little upset that it's not more complex. Yeah, I would say it's like kind of simple. It doesn't, it's fine. Yeah. Tastes as good as, you know, some other things, but like, it's not great. And then the presentation was there and the name is the senator made me feel like a lot was going to go on. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't feel like like this is so much better than even just like a wild turkey rye or something, you know, like, eh. yeah, well, it's just trying to be diplomatic. It's just stay in the middle of the road, mm-hmm. true to the senator name. Yeah. And just like <laughs> a senator, it's taking more of your money, mm-hmm. which, you know, that cost plays in to me into my rating. So I'm feeling like this is, I don't know. It's like in the middle of the road. It's a four or five for me. It's not necessarily as bad. It's just not great. And it costs a lot more. And it was annoying to open. Yeah. The price point in the opening drops it for me. I would give it like a four and a half. I'm just going straight for. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't like it. Like yeah. I think this would be a great one, which we'll see here in a little bit. I'll put with some ice after this and have for happy hour and, I'm sure with that in mind and like it not needing to be as complex and just sipping on it. Yeah. That's probably pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'll finish this bottle, Yeah, but I just won't buy another. Right. Yeah. Well, at this point I never need to buy another bottle of whiskey <laughs> because I have so many. Yeah. You're done buying. Yeah. I need to take some home though, mm-hmm. because the problem is like, I want to have a, a glass of whiskey and all the good stuff is here. Yeah. And I have to drink something terrible at home. And I'm like, this is, I have a whiskey podcast. This is not acceptable. Yeah. That doesn't make any (laughs) sense. I take them home all the time. Yeah. Like I had a friend over last night and shared some of the laws. I was like, oh yeah, I did the podcast today. This is blah, blah, blah. So did they like the heirloom? Yeah. Yeah. They thought it was interesting and different. And I plan to share with other friends, whiskey friends. So yeah. Yeah. I I think that most people have the response that we had about it. Yeah. Let's talk about technology a little. Okay. I love technology. What do you want to start with? TypeScript or Git? TypeScript. Because I feel like this is something that you've had a love-hate with in the past, but have embraced more in the future. And the introduction of types to JavaScript natively. So no longer requiring this like compilation to to get things to normal JavaScript with types TSC going away. I mean, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. I don't think there's anything bad about this proposal because you're going to still be able to write normal JavaScript without types. It's optional. Yeah. Like the thing that would make it bad would be if you had, well, I guess even TypeScript, like you can write it without the types and it's valid quote unquote TypeScript. Yeah. But it just, yeah. Anyway, being able to opt out, I think, makes that fine. And I think having types without needing extra stuff could be really nice. Like you could write, you know, type everything out and put it in something like CodePen and like enforce the types theoretically, like without needing something to compile it and and do stuff. Yeah, I mean, it has to support retroactive, like retroactively. So you can't really force that. But I mean, like JavaScript has done this a few different times where you would like kind of opt in to strict mode and then, okay, things are fine. So it like gives you the ability to incrementally do it. Yeah, I guess the days of the Wild West are going away. There's a sheriff in town. (sighs) Yeah, see, that's gets rid of the spirit of the language, I feel like. And maybe it's because I started with PHP, which was like similarly 
do whatever you want. Like, yeah. Oh, hey, this is a string. No, it's a number. No, it's a whatever. Like, set it to anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But that's a value or don't. I don't know. Yeah. That's totally fine. So that was kind of fun. Like, I guess in a speed perspective, you can be like, you know, I want to make this quick prototype so I can just throw it all together. I don't have to be clean about it. I don't have to think about, is this going to always be a number or not? Or like maybe sometimes it's a letter or whatever. And you don't have to then go back and like change all your types and think it out. You can just be like, oh, it's now a letter. Yeah, I guess in the sense of like having to think about data structure up front, right, is good and bad. Like you said, you can just get like quick and dirty and get stuff done. Yeah. You know, I I guess it's like the difference, though, between like JavaScript being considered a like DOM manipulation language versus a true application language right like i'm right right real stuff with this yeah i mean i think that is an important distinction of like if i don't use types and i'm writing like a web dashboard that's like click some stuff like maybe save some data do some forms whatever the stakes are pretty low like you'll probably have some kind of error logging like sentry or something that like oh this i messed this up all right i'll go fix it now if you're using javascript to like run your rocket ship you probably want some types to make sure like right. nobody fucked that up and it's like your rocket ship's not going to crash you know so mm. yeah i think that's definitely you know moves javascript forward as this thing you can use more than just for the web and like we've been doing it for things other than the web forever you know but i guess to the people that are outside the javascript community they kind of look at it as this thing that's like mostly web And it's really evolving past that. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it takes a little uh, wind out of the sails. Deno announced a couple of weeks ago or something where they can run native TypeScript without Mm. the compilation step or something. I don't know. It was like some big thing like, oh, you don't have to wait. You just run this without compiling it out. Well, guess what? might be coming anyway. Maybe JavaScript is going to be written in Deno now. Mm. instead of what is it c plus plus or c sharp or whatever it's written in right yeah yeah i don't know but maybe it'll get converted to rust Ooh, yeah it's the, that's the next hot tool to get remade in rust yeah i could see that i mean it it would be tough maybe because there's you know so many people that have worked on javascript for so long getting the same level of contributions from those folks but it would open it up to a lot more people that are like any language with C in it. No, thank you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in that list. Yeah. I guess that's a, like kind of, well, there's twofold here. There's one is uh, talking about open source and sometimes people sort of age out of c- contributing over time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's an interesting point. So like, how do you get people interested and more involved over time? I mean, you know, bring in a sexy tool. I wonder though. So the other side of things is like best tool for the job discussion. Mm-hmm. Is there a job rust is not the best tool for, or not a good tool for, I wonder, it seems to just be like a Jack of all trades at this point. But I think from developer experience perspective, it's not the best tool for everything. I think in the output it gives you, it could be argued. It is the best tool for everything, mm. but like, I don't necessarily want to write big web dashboard in rust like i know it can compile to wasm and like run on the web and do whatever but like 
and I don't know much about Rust to be honest. So maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is easy to do that with Rust. But yeah, I feel like from someone who's used JavaScript frameworks for a decade or more, it's like it feels like you're missing some things for like building web applications. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and that could be kind of I don't know the leap difficulty there because it does seem like a lot of people are using it to build like cli apps and stuff so mm-hmm. you know it's not really being taken to fruition to the browser quite yet yeah i think i think it's like the sexy new java mm. like for enterprisey type apps that don't run in the browser right fintech calculations yes yeah maybe yeah like crazy algorithms like Predictive engines and stuff like that. I guess maybe I could see that. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. One day I'll actually try something in it. Let's rewrite Git in Rust. Because we're going to talk about Git next. And it seems like a good <laughs> sequitur. I don't understand enough about Git to ever attempt to re Like, I would have a very naive, like, okay, there's these two files. And it's changed in two places. It doesn't match. Um, you got to pick one. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to merge. <laughs> yeah. It does a lot of smart stuff. It does. It does do a lot of smart stuff. Didn't Linus write it? The uh, Linux guy? Mm. I think so. Linus Torvald or something like that. Yeah. Creator. Uh, I'm going to live. This is like live coding, but it's live Googling. Git. I'm pretty sure Linus wrote it. Yeah. He wrote it. Git creator Linus Torvalds. Yeah, so like basically for his own needs for Linux. Yeah. Went from there. On a somewhat tangential note, Mm. I've heard some people say Linux is Linux because it's like Linus. Mm. It could be. And yeah, I don't know if if one has been endorsed as actually correct, but so many people say Linux that I'm just like, Mm. when I hear someone say Linux, I'm like, I want to punch you in the face. Or why can't we call him Linus? We we could Linus Torvalds. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just a just a random tangent there. But yeah, back to the meat of what we were talking about. Um, yeah, rewrite get in. That may also means that we would have the capabilities of potentially writing an OS. And I'm not sure. Write an OS in in Node. Ready, set, go. You can write an OS in anything. You know, theoretically. Mm-hmm. But the problem is. The lower level native stuff. Yeah. That I wouldn't even know what to do there, but. Right. Like essentially the connection over. Yeah. Cause I know that like for oh, Arduino projects, you can actually run those with node code. So you can do like Arduino stuff and send, you know, signals to switches or whatever. Yeah. But how that would go in terms of like interpreting keyboard inputs and crazy stuff like yeah. Wi-Fi signal. Yeah. We had to, I think I've talked about this maybe before on a podcast, but one of our college projects was we had to build a terminal mm. and we wrote it in C mm. and it was much harder than, I mean, not that it sounds easy, but it was very difficult. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we learned from Zach, you can do it in rust. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of the problem, but I guess they're, I mean, hasn't been that long since I was in school, I guess, but <laughs> there weren't any sexy languages then. It was like, you know, you're using Java or C and like, you're happy with that. There's not, 
as many frameworks. Maybe there was like spring for Java. Right. So yeah, it's now you just have so many better tools that you have so many options of whatever you prefer. Yeah. That's, I mean, was a longstanding discussion in terms of like formal education institutions being able to keep up with like what's actually happening in the industry. I mean, I haven't looked at for a while. I remember it was a big deal that, you know, lots of, CS programs were using like Java or C and I think like it was Stanford. I want to say it was Stanford was doing it with Python. Mm. And I went through like some of their like o- online CS stuff in Python. Cause I n- knew a little bit of it and I was like, Oh cool. So I can like do this and like not be starting from zero. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Python's gross, but you know, I liked coffee script back in the day too. So I just wish we could all agree that like similar to any other language, like not, coding languages specifically like reading writing there should be punctuation mm. not just eh, nothing like maybe i'll indent it maybe i'll like do whatever i want and like you'll just have to try to read it or you could just have like a brace there that tells you hey i'm done here and this is the next thing like why not <laughs> you can enforce like prettier like formatting style so your team could be like this is the way that we like went on save it it saves stuff and formats it and stuff so like there is that kind of stuff in the language so that's a good thing but i think what we're coming down to is yeah the lack of braces versus indentation and then no semicolons right yeah i mean that's that's fine in javascript because of like you said prettier like if a project doesn't want to use semicolons i can just throw them wherever i want and then i auto format and they go away and (laughs) then they go away and I don't have to actually see it. I just run a command. Yeah. But the, the opposite is not true in, in Python. Like you can do some formatting, but if I don't hit space enough times and a thing is in the wrong spot, it's not going to run the same way. Right. And I never, ever hit the space bar Hmm. when I am coding. (laughs) Like I just put it all in one gross block and then auto format. Oh, I see. You are a true engineer who lets the tools take care of the majority of the work. I, okay, what do you need from me? Here's the input from my keyboard, whatever, as fast as possible. Now, computer, do the work. Yeah. And, I mean, ask me again in a year and I might have a different opinion. Yeah. Because I remember whenever Prettier came out, I think it's maybe been five years now. It's been a while. But, like, the first year or two it was out, uh, some of the teams I was on were looking at it and, like, thinking about using it. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like this is terrible. I want to be able to do the formatting the way I want. And I don't like their opinions and they're stupid. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I've just come to realize that having an opinion at all is just so much overhead for no reason. Like you can just choose someone else's opinions and then, yeah, just write the code and it formats itself. You don't need your own opinions. Right. I mean, it's like such subjective overhead. And then us as consultants, when you find like these differences from project to project, it's just not a thing worth right fighting for. Nope. And the reality is, as long as there are consistency, all the answers are right. And yep, the logic is all that matters. And that's it. So, yeah. Yeah. The only thing that is definitively wrong is four spaces. tabs versus spaces tabs versus spaces Mm. is it so it's two spaces and spaces not tabs it's never tabs i've never encountered someone who preferred tabs i have i know it's this really big argument and maybe it's more so not in web development or something i don't know who has ever hit 
tab. Wasn't I feel like, like it seems like an old school argument, you know? Yeah, totally. But I feel like I mean, I hit the tab key, but the tab key just adds two spaces because my setting is mm. two spaces. So tab will actually do that. You don't have to hit the space bar. But I feel like I don't know. Maybe it's like an overlap difference or whatever. I feel like when I first started at Mariana, you know, Tim was the senior engineer and he had kind of set some of the standards and they basically were like all the opposite of anything I'd ever done or experienced. So I feel like he, you know, he was the purveyor of no semicolons and would go on long winded diatribes about why that was a good idea. And I feel like he did tabs too or something. And again, my desire to argue with him over, Every small thing wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. So I think he like rage, he rage quit and then we changed stuff. So. Like, I agree that you should be able to choose whatever style you want for your team. And I think I've mentioned this before. So sorry for anyone who's listened to all the episodes. And if I ranted on this a bunch, but <laughs> the one time that you don't do that is when the tool you're using is Ember and they have a defined style that all of the blueprints, when you go to update, use. So yeah. if you don't use that same style and you go to update, you'll have a ton of conflicts and it won't auto update stuff. And that's not worth you being like, oh, yeah, I like this spacing this way. No. Right. <laughs> exactly. I like this. And then that's really what it comes down to. There's no argument that shows any particular choice in any of those matters that like changes performance or output or whatever. Yeah. Right. We're not like debating faster loops. So all random yeah loops are faster going backwards remember that uh nice did you ever do that no but that's that's interesting for some reason like starting at i think this may have predated like for each and stuff but like starting at array dot length and going backwards instead of starting at zero and plus plusing was like slightly faster it was like a performance hack you could do back in the day I had no idea. I never learned that. Yep. That's uh the more you know. Do do do. Yeah, the the star thing. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I mean we've gone way off track from get or get <laughs> tips, and that's okay. I'm fine with that. Yeah. This can go anywhere it wants to. But let's talk about Git. Okay. Because that's a thing that I have always struggled with. And we've had some issues with this recently. I guess I haven't hit them for a while because I've kind of only worked on my own stuff. Like not necessarily been the only engineer on the project, but I haven't collaborated on a branch as often as maybe I used to in my earlier career. I heard rumors of this. So <laughs> some of the issues you discovered. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to give specifics or name names or call anyone out. And I'm just as much at fault as anyone else. But certainly. Yeah. But the problems basically boil down to like I'm used to rebasing and doing get push force. Just like, I'm the only one working on it. I'm going to force it up. Like, Mm -hmm. we're cool. And when someone else is working on it, especially if they also, like, go to rebase, like, say there's changes in the main branch, Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, let me rebase with that, and I'm going to push it up. If I force push, and they, like, also rebase, don't force push, like, actually change a couple more files or something, like, do some more work, and then try to push up, and, like, you basically get to this point where there's so many conflicts back and forth that are like not actually conflicts that like maybe someone with tons of Git knowledge knows how to reconcile that. But I just go, Nope, like let's just make a new branch (laughs) and go back to like, you know, whatever commit we can agree was like 
we were good at. And then we'll just copy the like three new commits, like cherry pick them or manually copy the files or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you guys had like gone way too far down the rabbit hole when I learned about this. And I was like, well, there's some things. Well, first of all, always force with lease. Mm -hmm. Right. Except when that doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't work because someone else has pushed some other commits up and you're not going to, you know, like, oh, crap, my force would kill their work. So what do we do? Okay, now we need to like, so it gives you that flag of something else has happened. Okay, let's figure that out. Yeah, some like, uh, I think it's the re 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 for your global config. So when anytime you do get pool, it's always a default rebase. That's nice, just easy setup. What else? I don't know. That's two things. Yeah, I mean, I, okay. So anyway, I think what you're getting at is that this is just basically agreeing upon a collaboration style. Yeah. Essentially, if you're not like forking repos and doing it from personal fork and you're working in the same repo in the same branch, then you got to kind of agree on collaboration style. Yeah. And you have to be more cognizant of that. And like, you can't just, well, even pushing normal pushing, like if you're not pushing every day Mm -hmm. and you go a week and like implement all the same stuff that the other person implemented and push it up. Yeah. And so now you've got, you know, all this stuff that differs because you both did it and like, didn't like, I guess it all boils down to better communication. There you go. But yeah, it's just a frustrating thing when like all that stuff happens and you're like, I, I just don't know enough Git. So like, yeah, I guess the, the main takeaway is like, you should use force with lease and then everything else is communication. Yeah, because there's no git foo that like gets you past some of that stuff. And then when you kind of gets you past, ha, <laughs> gets you past basically where you don't know, like you've lost track of history. So the git history is just like, I don't know. I did these things. You did these things. Which one's really the right one? I don't know. Kind of we lost this, this and this along the way. So, you know, your escape hatch of burn it down and start a new one is probably a good one. Yeah. 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 It gets tricky sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interactive rebases, trying to find the right hash, trying to drop certain commits or redundant commits with a different hash, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. At a certain point, it's like, that's probably not worth it. Yeah. I can just copy pasta my work. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know how people learn Git, like if it's taught in boot camps much or like i don't know if we were really taught it in school because i know we kind of just started using it because like someone was using it and we were like oh this is cool to be able to have like version control and it might have been subversion actually at that point like git wasn't as pervasive yeah i mean i learned version control through subversion and i think i had like a you know some gui app that did most of the stuff at that point and then I don't know. Yeah, I, I just learned it on the job and then trying to do stuff and then Googling how to do stuff. Yeah. And then doing stuff and then losing some stuff and learning the hard way, really. Yeah. Make some mistakes. There's nothing like force pushing and like deleting half your work. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> that's not what I wanted. Isn't there a way out? Yeah. So that's when that's one of the times I, I learned to love Apple Time Machine. Mm. Cause you do something like that, but then you can like go back in time on your file structure and carry and co- copy some stuff back. And then you're like, yes, mm-hmm. pro tip. Yep. Pro tip. I've got some version control for my version control. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, we used to just use Dropbox with no version control and that didn't go well because people mm. would like just delete entire files that you had worked mm. on and there was no history. Right. Of course. Yeah. I can remember FTPing like site changes up to the server. Mm hmm. Cyberduck or some whatever ridiculous thing. And then just placing a file. Do you want to overwrite this? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, did you change something there too? Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't see it yet. I don't know. Just um, F10 or whatever it was for like force refresh. I don't think I ever used an FTP with a team. I'm familiar with pushing the files up, but I never overrode anyone's stuff other than my own. If I like worked on two machines and edited some stuff or something. Yeah. So the only thing that made that a little bit smarter, I think like Dreamweaver, you'd like connect to a server. And then like, basically if you were checking a file out, you could like click to check a file out. So then someone else would not be able to access that file mm. if they were also using Dreamweaver connected to the server. And so they were still a little bit like smart something there. Right. But outside of that, yeah, it was just, cowboy craziness yeah so uh completely off topic but something that i think is pretty fun have you seen some of the new things coming in like i guess what is it yes 2022 i guess like they just named them by the years now right right no i haven't yeah i i don't know a a ton about any of them but i think the one that is my favorite just arbitrarily is they now have string.cooked. Have you seen that? Stream.what? Cooked? Cooked. Because there's a string.raw, and this is the opposite of string.raw, so they called it string.cooked. That's silly. But funny. <laughs> yeah. hmm. I didn't I didn't see that. I haven't read any like proposals or whatever recently. Yeah. I honestly don't know what it does. I think that it's like kind of similar to how Ember does when you're testing and you do like HBS and give it like a template and it like renders it. Like, I think you can do a template string and say, like, this is Markdown and then, like, oh. cook it and it, like, renders Markdown or something like that. That's cool. Yeah. String.cooked proposal. Okay. String.raw consumes and string.cooked would be. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it takes, like, the character. Okay. So, there's, like, you can have some character designations in there and it will. Yeah. yeah that's kind of cool. Motivation. Um, I don't know. I don't have any motivation. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's enough tech yeah. for now, probably. I feel I'm ready to transition to whatnot gibberish. Yeah. As you can tell by my hat, it's been a interesting week for the football. How does your hat convey that? I just need to talk to somebody about it because it has a, a man kicking a ball on it for Manchester United. But he's always kicking that ball, regardless of how the weekend football went. Yeah. Well, this team <laughs> did not do so well against the blue one in the same city. Mm -hmm. It was a very embarrassing, terrible time to be a Manchester United fan. So that was rough for me on Sunday. It sometimes ruins my entire day, too. So <laughs> probably accounting for some additional drinking this week. Um, <laughs> so yesterday there was a big Champions League match. I'm just going to tell you about all these things. I know you don't care, but I just, I need a sounding board. Sure. You know, my wife is tired of hearing about it. Yeah. We have a few Irish listeners. They care about this sort of thing. Yeah. The football. Yeah. So yesterday was the champions league, which is essentially like European, like top European teams from each league throughout Europe. They go through this big tournament. 
So now it's like in the knockout stages. So they'll play two games, one home, one away for each other. So this was PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, and Real Madrid. Real Madrid? Yeah. As opposed to fake Madrid? Yeah. I always just love that because it's like, I guess there's supposed to be like an accent over it or something. But usually in the text, it's just Real Madrid. Well, you know, they speak Spanish there, so they don't pronounce it real. They pronounce it real, and it is Spanish for royal. Essentially, it was the, the king's team. Yeah. Yeah, so they played yesterday. It was uh, PSG goes in one nothing over the aggregate. They're expected kind of to win because they have, like, some of the greatest players in the world. Messi now plays there. Neymar, Brazilian player. And then they have this, uh, well, I guess he's not a kid anymore. He's, like, 24. Kylian Mbappe, who's touted as probably like the best player in the world currently and certainly as one of the best names for a player yeah killian yeah and the last name i don't even know what you said but it sounded cool mbappe so it's mbappe b-a-p-p-e mbapp 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 bap bap mbapp yeah exactly Do it as that's a, yeah that's exactly what i thought too <laughs> When I heard it. But uh, anyway, so they were like supposed to go in and they, even though they were at Madrid, it was like they had the advantage. They scored an early goal. Oh, no, we're winning to nothing. The 35 year old Madrid striker, Karim Benzema, and he's French. So put that together. Benzema. Benzema. Is that French? I don't know. Doesn't sound very French. Scores a hat trick in 20 minutes and knocks out PSG. It was just crazy. Their 36, 37-year-old central midfielder was a big part of it. So it's like this aging team that's kind of supposed to be like, ah, uh, they're the old news. Here's the new news. Paris is, you know, moving on. And yeah, that all happened. It was similar to Tom Brady switching teams and smacking down and being like, hey, I'm still going to win a Super Bowl because I'm yeah. old and doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It is interesting, I guess, in, in, term, in football, real like American egg ball games. In those terms, like quarterback is the only one that can kind of age through the sport, right? Everybody else is just getting crushed. Yeah. If you have a good line protecting you, then yeah, you can, you're okay. But if you don't, you got to be fast and agile and you're not doing that at, he's like what, 42, 43 now or something. Right. Yeah. So is he like the oldest? Because Brett Favre was only like 40, right? When he retired. I believe he was the oldest, I think on purpose. Like he got to the oldest and retired. And was like, cool, I'm done. I don't know if he's officially retired, but I think he announced. Mm. I don't know if he's doing another season or not. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if he is either. Because, so funny thing, Manchester United, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, same owners. Hmm. The Glazers. Yeah. Glazer family owns both of them. I don't think they own any other teams, but. It's an interesting thing in American sports lately because they've started to diversify and own multiple sports teams. So what is it? The L.A. Rams is the is Stan Kroenke. He owns Arsenal Football Club. The ownership group that owns the Red Sox, Boston Red Sox. They also own Liverpool. Oh, uh, the nation state. Um, what is it? The UAE. Mm. Uh, that family or whatever the nation state essentially yeah owns they have a little bit of money yeah they own like a number of soccer teams at this point so they own like new york fc and the mls they own manchester city which is the blue that i mentioned earlier they own another one is it in spain or in i don't know they own another team too so i think the differentiate or not differentiating factor 
uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is the, the like common thread here is if you're rich enough to own a sports team, you're probably a billionaire and there are only so many of those. So they're going to own multiple sports teams. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause like your barrier to entry is pretty high. So, yeah. And then at that point you can just do it all you want. And here in the States you can make municipalities fund your stadium and then you still get a slice of all the business like refreshments and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, also the NFL is a nonprofit. <laughs> what? Yeah. The organization uh, itself is a nonprofit. I guess if you say that a fair salary for like the guy in charge is $50 million or whatever, then yeah, they're a nonprofit. Exactly. Like, so the owners are not like a nonprofit. They actually like pay to be part of the organization or whatever. But yeah, it's a farce. Yeah. Professional sports in general is kind of a farce in that way. Like all these leagues. I don't know. But I guess like even to my favorite sport, like I think FIFA is a nonprofit and they are not nonprofit. They are very profit. Yeah. With their massive sponsors and all that. I mean, I think less than profits what i would look for for like a organization that's doing the right thing is like being a b corporation that's kind of like the new cool thing i don't know how much you know about that but i don't know anything about that why don't you enlighten us okay well i'm i don't know a ton but what i what i know of it is like it's the certification you have to apply for and you have to be like benefiting like the world in some way to be able to get it or something like you can't just be profit hungry, you know, company mm. doesn't mean you can't make profits, but like, for example, um, one B corporation is lemonade, the insurance company. Oh, interesting. So they, they take, you know, you pay them premiums or whatever every month and all money that they don't use for like paying out for claims, they give to charity or like mm. whatever, like, so that's like a, you know, that's how they are a B corporation. And then another one is like, uh, we get this fancy egg brand now that's like reconsider pastures or something like that. Okay. Have you seen those? No, no. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just laughing because you always end up like, oh, I need this thing. What's the like most brand new fancy version of that thing? You always just end oh, yeah. up finding these things. You're like, oh, I need a coffee maker. What's some like crazy machine that is like from a startup that costs a thousand dollars. I don't know. That's what we'll do. Yeah. It's more exciting that way. <laughs> but these eggs are, um, they use like regenerative farming and they like let the chickens just go wherever they want. Like they, mm. they go past free range and they're just literally like wild chickens. Like they go Ooh. find their own food. They don't feed them. Wow. And like they say it makes the eggs taste different because like if you feed them a bunch of corn or feed or whatever, yeah. Then it's like the same egg you're used to. And like these eggs are like more deep amber color when you crack them. Hmm. So there's something to that, I guess. You've piqued my interest in that sense. I, yeah. It's also double or triple a normal thing of eggs. Well, in cost, but all these things are that way. And maybe you'll just eat less eggs, right? Like how many three egg omelets you have in these days? Well, we're actually having a lot <laughs> because Caitlin doesn't eat meat and needs a lot of protein for the baby. So, well, we have a lot of eggs, a lot of fair life milk for the like protein in that and stuff like that. I've got an issue here. I've got a, I've got an issue with this. Vegetarians mm. who eat eggs are eating babies. But it's undeveloped babies. Because they've been unfertilized, right? There's this yeah. argument about the whole like 
oh, I'm vegetarian and, and I get eggs because they're in the dairy section or something. And it's like, so eggs, I don't know. Would, does she eat caviar? No, but I think that's a... Would she eat caviar? So I have this discussion with vegetarians all the time. We talked to Jared some about it. It's like, for me, if I were to be a vegetarian, the thing that would be my differentiating factor would be if it can feel pain, hmm. then I wouldn't eat it. So it's like a thing that has no brain like a muscle okay. or a clam or whatever should theoretically be okay to eat. But then like a crab would not, you know what I mean? Mm, okay. So that I think, you know, you can make an argument that an egg is just as advanced as like a muscle. Why would you say the muscle is more of an organism than the egg? You know? Yeah. Scientists may have answers to this, but I, I think they're fairly similar. You know, they were somewhat alive ish. Yeah. I don't know. That would be an interesting data point because to me it feels like, you know, if you're cutting out meat and you're like kind of cutting out all associated, like associated bits of meat, but then, yeah, I don't know. You make a pretty good point. And if, Hey, if I could have oysters and mussels, I might, I might be on board. Yeah. Not going to be vegan, but I would get on board with some of that. I want some cheese. Yeah. No scallops would be, would be enough for me. Scallops are my favorite. Mm, I like them a lot. They actually used to be one of my go-to dinners that I would make and made it. So for my wife, like, I don't know, it was probably like our second or third date or something. Made her scallops because it was like, what am I going to come over? I'll make you dinner and made her scallops. I was like, yeah, do these really well. And then she doesn't like scallops. So never did that again. And then really, I never make them anymore, but I sometimes will get them out for dinner because, hey, oh, I can't get this at home. Yeah. Going down that path. Yeah. The problem with getting them out is like you get four or six and it's like $30. Yeah. And you could get a bag of scallops from Whole Foods for like $30. Right. So I'm just like, this is like, yes, they are a a finicky thing to cook. So you're paying a little bit for that expertise and whatnot. But yeah. Yeah. I've frequently gotten a giant bag of them and just made them for days in a row. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I I have no qualms with eating the same thing on repeat. I like, I like this. Mm hmm. Back in the days when I was a single man, it was very easy. Like, oh, okay, I got this thing. Looks like there's a lot of it. Guess I'm going to eat it for a few days in a row. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, I have to eat something every day for like a long time for me to not want it anymore. Yeah. I ate mostly grilled chicken for 10 days straight. Let me tell you, that might qualify. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That is the one thing. It's like, okay, it. I could eat the same thing as long as it is flavorful and good. I'm not going to eat something bland for multiple days in a row. Oh, you could use sauce and stuff, particularly hot sauce with this. But like after a little while, I yeah, I, like a month ago, I did this like caloric restriction, low fat, like mostly protein diet and intending to like maintain as much po- muscle as possible and just lose weight. It was like 10 pounds in 10 days. It was pretty significant and that's actually held true since even though i'm not on that diet so hey there's something to that but i was definitely sick of grilled chicken at a certain point like yeah no mas yeah it's really tough like not just for you know diets and and restrictive stuff like that but like if you're trying to bodybuild or or not even Mm. that level but just build a little muscle mass you are supposed to have so much protein, like a gram per pound of body weight or whatever. And yeah, the only way to do that is to eat a ton of chicken. 
Yeah. Cause I mean, you could, I guess, get it from steak or something else, but then you would just kill yourself from all of the steak. Yeah. It's just higher fat content. So you want to do it, you want to do it lean unless you want to put yeah. more fat too along with that. Right. Yeah. Cause I used to do that. Like for a little while I lifted pretty hard and then quickly injured my shoulder and got fat. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when I was lifting hard, I would get like the, you know, the big 10 packs of chicken breasts or whatever and have it like a couple meals a day of like a chicken breast or two and then protein shake or two a day. And like, it's so much protein you have to have. Yeah. It's a lot. Low fat cottage cheese in the morning and did that. Um, yeah. It can be more and cans of tuna. I ate so much tuna. It's been, like when I was poor, but also trying to like work out and be fit. I would eat like yeah. ramen and tuna on the regular. Chicken in the sea, right? Still chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says chicken. <laughs> I know it's tuna, but it says chicken. Remember that famous Jessica Simpson line? Oh, I kind of do vaguely remember that, but... Yeah. No, I don't remember a lot because my brain can only hold so much JavaScript knowledge that I have to mm-hmm. take everything else out. Yeah, and there's also all this whiskey involved, so... <laughs> yeah. All right. Are we ready to take a break before we go drink some more? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're probably good here, but I will mention at the end here, just in case we don't get to record another one, this could be my last one before Caitlin gives birth. Oh my God. Are you going to die? No, no. (laughs) Okay. No. So our official due date is March 21st, but things can be wherever I've found out recently that like most people go later rather than earlier. So we might still be able to do another episode or two, but in case we don't, if you don't hear from us for a while, for whatever reason, that's why. Yeah. No one's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.